Hello and welcome back to episode three of Internet Fried Brains. I'm your host, Jort. We've got Sammy with us and a special guest. Uh, Sammy, do you care to share the details a little bit before we get into intros? I sure can. This cryptid is our friend Phoenix. Uh, Hello. Long time friend of mine, good person, uh, great opinions. Uh, we were going to have Shane back, obviously, but we were all going for a long walk and he saw a ship and he just, we couldn't stop him. He ran the right to it. The man loves boats. The man loves boats. So he, he, he'll be back whenever the tides allow and we'll hopefully have him back next week. If not, we have a new cryptid to join us. <laughs> so as usual, we'll start off with uh, quick introductions and our icebreaker of the week, and then we'll transition over into our stories. But for those of you who are new to the show, welcome to Internet Fried Brains. On this show, we talk about gaming, news, technology, and all sorts of weird stuff that we're into. We write the agenda ourselves, and we'd love to hear ideas from you as well. If there is a topic you'd like to hear more about, or if you just want to say thanks, or send us corrections or hate mail, feel free to hit up podcasts at jorts.tech with any and all of your concerns. Uh, we'll start off with some quick intros and backgrounds. My name is Jason. I also go by Jort. I'm a Taurus, raised near New York City. I've been PC gaming since Counter-Strike 1.6. I'm an IT handyman, tinkerer, data hoarder, head writer at Jorts.tech, and three times savior of Baldur's Gate. This week's icebreaker question. What is your least favorite mechanic in video games that you wish would just f***ing stop? Mine is always online DRMs. I am so tired of deciding that, you know what? I'm gonna go play a campaign from a game franchise that I love, only to discover that I can't play that campaign without first waiting for some sort of ridiculous online connection. And if my internet goes out, renders my, that entire game, even the single player experience, completely inaccessible. I'm looking at you, Activision. Every Call of Duty campaign, Hey, looking at, at, at 343 Industries with Halo Infinite, we're looking at Diablo 3, we're looking at Hitman 3, StarCraft 2, it's everywhere, and I hate it. Sammy. An absolutely fair rant. Are we pleasing <laughs> the astro the astrology girlies now? <laughs> I am, I, I'm a Taurus too. So I'm Sammy, I also go by Cyberdizzy, I'm from Wisconsin. I, uh, I'm a two-time savior of Baldur's Gate, if we're doing that. Um, I play a lot of games, but also, you know, just your average nerd. I sell D&D dice that I make, so that's fun. Uh, my mechanic that I fucking hate in video games. Um, weapon and tool breakage. So things like in, in any crafting style game where you get, like, just durability. That is the biggest pain in the... Uh, just let me... Just let me keep the weapon. It's that's there's so many rants I could go on based I'll on never crafting games Breath alone. Of the wild, I get it. That's, <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. I currently started playing Pal World, and I, I it's so infuriating. What yeah, if we What if we I gave Pikachu an AK-47? <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Phoenix. All right, I'm Phoenix. Uh, I'm a Gemini. <laughs> which basically counters you two out because I'm two people at once. Uh, okay. I'm a current college student. That means I'm basically a child. <laughs> and I am a zero time uh, savior of Baldur's Gate. I'm actually just a menace. So, 
Welcome to the show. And, <laughs> and basically, uh, my probably my least favorite mechanic is uh, DLCs. I just, I hate DLCs hate with a passion because it just allows companies to pump out this bare bones game that you have to supplement with like $20 DLCs. So many of them over and over and over. And like the base game's like 40 bucks. I should get a full game for 40 bucks. I, I Yes. Oh mm-hmm. God, that's part of my I'm looking at UEA. I'm looking at UEA. <laughs> We're going to get emails. All right. <laughs> Excellent. So let's transition over to our first topic this week. Uh, interesting. We're going to start off with a where they impose a question to the room with the with a budget of I'm going to come up with six hundred and fifty dollars because that should be enough to buy the 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 best of top line console, whatever console is out now, plus an extra controller for like, you know, like PlayStation with two controllers, Xbox with two controllers for the budget of six hundred and fifty dollars. Would you buy a console or build a gaming PC today for yourself, for your use, and why? Uh, We'll start with Sammy. I personally, when I built my computer in 2020, I had a friend who helped me who's an absolute nerd. We got all the parts individually. I spent a little over $2,000 on my setup. And I am fully aware that I don't need (laughs) for the kinds of games i play this is unnecessary but it's rgb and i love it Um, of course i need a 3090 to play stardew valley (laughs) (laughs) don't at me like that so for 650 if we're comparing it like console wise to pc i think i would always go pc consoles are great but PC has one mil- hundreds and hundreds of free games that you could get on Steam that are still, you know, fun, mm-hmm. occupying time-based things. Um, that's including like a decent-sized hard drive that you can get as well. With with any console, you have to drop sixty bucks at least for each game that you want to play. Then, if you're wanting like extra storage and things, you're dropping what another hundred, hundred and fifty dollars on mm-hmm. things like that. You're saying six six fifty. That's that's the console. And a controller that is not even including. Okay, so let's bump it up then, because because the PC that we're talking about here is as 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 easy as it is to say. Well, I definitely would pick my PC. Would you pick a PC? So let's increase the budget to seven fifty then. So you have seven hundred fifty dollars because you're gonna get. You're you're right because Baldur's Gate is one hundred and twenty five gigs, and that's onboard storage with most consoles. So what are you? You're gonna get a drive for the rest of your games. Um, so let's still... go a whole budget of 750. So with a PC that you could build with this budget of 750, realistically, you're looking at probably only playing at 1080p as well. Because I uh, think I would yeah. still pick the PC though. All right, just, awesome. There's a lot more options. I I think that's an awesome opinion. Phoenix, <laughs> how about you? Yeah, I uh, I also in 2020 built a PC for myself as well, and uh, <laughs> so mine was also about. Two thousand dollars, but Makes I had sense. saved that money from babysitting and stuff. That's the I yeah, I babysit for like an entire summer and I saved all that money. Mm-hmm. But um, generally, I'm not a huge fan of like consoles. They're fairly like limiting. Mm-hmm. Like you have to use the controller. You can't like just hook up a mouse and keyboard. Whereas like with the PC, you can hook up a controller if you want to play with the controller. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very that true. Kind of thing. Um, Looking at you, Halo Five. The only game on Xbox, the only game on my Xbox that does not accept any input mapping for mouse and keyboard. Yeah. Because the Xbox accepts mouse and keyboard for input mapping to most games. It's Halo 5 that doesn't. 
Still waiting for an explanation would, on that 343. On just to piggyback on that, I would agree that like a, 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 anything that a console can do, a computer do, mm-hmm. and the, the only lack thereof would be possibly like portability. But then you have things like the Steam Deck. Well, I'm so glad you mentioned that because that's my answer is the okay. uh, the Asus. I would buy the Asus ROG Ally, which is. Oh, I was just looking into one of those. Actually. Yeah, so it's about $100 more than the Steam Deck, give or take for the same, like for like the, I think it's like the one terabyte memory configuration with the trade off, with the upside. Some people would say trade off. Some people will say upside of it running Windows instead of steam os it's a whole windows pc in the form factor of a steam deck which for those of you who have never seen or held a steam deck it's a about a switch about the width of a nintendo switch and maybe an inch taller so picture like a little bit of a beefier nintendo switch yeah they are definitely thicker than a switch and it's a whole uh whole windows whole windows um ecosystem so you you're not limited to steam and you're not limited to steam games that run on the proton layer because it's steam os is linux based you can install epic games you can install any software that you want that runs on windows i'm pretty you sure can it doesn't just have use it as a laptop when you go someplace and and just you've got a, a whole ass computer and it fits it's in your stream anime. It, it does yep. stream anime. It does it have an HD? I can't remember it if does. you have the okay. Yeah, so it has HDMI it's got capacity to support. Yeah, it'll support. I think it's I think it'll do 4K 120. I think it's HDMI. Don't quote me on this. I don't remember which standard. It's one of them. Mm-hmm. Um but I would go with I'd go with a with a gaming a PC gaming handheld. Yeah, I yeah I I would agree that they're great. I I got one for my fiance for his thirtieth birthday last year, mm-hmm. and he he absolutely loves it. Like it's it's yeah one of his go to things now. And I'm looking Switch... forward to it running on them port. There's it currently Steam OS does not run on desktop hardware. Mm-hmm. Valve has indicated that they're working on a version of Steam OS that can run on oh. hardware. And I'd like the idea of at some point building a Steam console, building a console in a in a small like you know get like a small form factor chassis, but put like a thirty eighty. In are you basically saying just building just your run own Steam like, and just run Steam just OS on up it? Yeah, consoles at that point too. That, that, that's start. it. Can can we can we get to a point where we could build our own consoles? If that's interesting. If Steam OS takes off, or if the gaming handheld market takes off, and we start seeing mobile focused or lighter versions of existing operating systems because windows is very heavy now windows yeah. is a very very heavy process very very heavy that's why steam os runs linux and that's why it's so much more impressive to me that the rog ally runs windows and mm-hmm. can still push out the games and the frame rates that mm-hmm. it does um terrific i really appreciate that, that was a that was great that was the the best first topic we've had in uh ever how do we feel about ethernet going into those little handhelds <laughs> yeah it's... with a usb that's, dongle that's anything's possible hey that's fair enough <laughs> they have usb ports you get usb to ethernet and you're hardlined yeah. All I, know I is mean, that's not a bad idea, though. It's a good point. You can have it at home as a docking station. You know my Wi-Fi. My Wi-Fi is garbage. 
garbage. Yeah, like, like the only reason I'm able to be here is because of Ethernet. <laughs> Praise That's the a, copper that wires. is a good point. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, if you're getting a console or a PC or anything like that, hardline it. The anyway. assumption is that you are going to have at least some kind of Wi-Fi, but yeah. it is also fair that not everybody has internet capabilities like that. Mm -hmm. But though, even if you're gaming on console at home, we would still recommend plugging in via a oh, direct yeah. connection as opposed to relying on yeah. Wi-Fi. You will notice you a difference. Will you will notice a difference. It's going to be insane. You're going to love it. And you're welcome. <laughs> Excellent. I definitely did. I, I was fully Wi-Fi like three years ago and then saving up me on Ethernet. Yeah, I was going to say, didn't I send you an Ethernet cable? <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> and it was ridiculous. It was like 200 feet. It was 200 feet. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, but you can cut it and then you have two cables. <laughs> I you said that you didn't know how far away it was. That's right. And you were like, I don't know, maybe 100. And I was like, I'll just get 200. So good news. <laughs> they're good up to 300 feet. But after 300 feet, you actually experience signal loss. Really? With most cables. I can yeah. see that. Yeah. We can get into different cable standards and them having... Uh, we're not going to do that. It's very boring. And <laughs> That's fair. It's I'll do that So our second topic this week. Uh, Sammy, why don't you introduce this topic? Oh, this, yeah, this was my idea. Uh, early access games, why you love them or hate them or something in between. I fucking hate them. Like, I, I, up, I know that I, I started this saying, like, I was playing Pal World and things like that. And uh, my biggest thing with early access games is you are using me and other people as free game testers. You are having me pay for this unreleased unfinished game have constant problems with it and then how many times have you played an early access game where it's never continued production or it did continue and they wipe all the progress you've made entirely you have to start brand new which if you've put in you know 100 hours into this game i don't want to start as, as a blank slate again it's the worst mm -hmm. or did they then continue and release the new full version of it and then expect you to pay more money. Like, all of those suck. You suck. Just, I want the game. And it, it, there's, like, examples where you can do testing that we can get into later, and that's fine. But why am I paying, you know, 30 to $60 for a broken game that you're never going to finish for me? If, if I may, I'd also like to raise the fact that a lot of games will, uh, they will like promise you this product and then they'll finish it and it'll be nowhere near the product they promised you at the very oh, beginning like the day before yeah. <laughs> absolutely yeah that's good point did what's you hear your, that they're blaming thought? bloggers on the internet for their game failing now excuse me <laughs> they said it's they, ridiculous they released a press statement one of the bullet points of the press statement was so who made money off the day before many internet bloggers have made have made money and monetized the release of our game for their own personal corrupt uh, means <laughs> or something ridiculous like that. Yeah. In the Talk most brain dead fingers. take. Yeah. Oh my no, God. Surely it's the children who are wrong. I'm sorry, <laughs> Phoenix. Please continue. <laughs> You're good. Uh, personally, I'm kind of in like a middle ground. Like I don't absolutely hate early access. Like I think it's really cool to be able to like be introduced to a game to see it develop all that kind of stuff at like a discount because usually when you buy an early access it's a discounted price to what it usually comes out to at the very end so like i understand the whole not wanting free game testers and that kind of thing but also you're paying 
slightly less than you would at the very end, and you get to experience it, see its growth, all that kind of stuff. I see the face you're making. I'm I understand. Not to make faces. For those of so you listening, hard. yeah. <laughs> Sammy's got like a visceral reaction yeah. to that. I'm trying. I'm sorry. I, it's I'm okay. I'm going to piss you off even more. I know you are. I could read you're the gonna hate. You're going to hate my opinion. Like, I've seen a lot of games that come out of early access, and I really love them. But also, yeah. I have been burned by several games that either never come out of early access, or they're a completely different game, or it just... It's not any better than what it was in early access. Like, it's still buggy. It's still bogged down with problems that they just don't fix. Mm. Mm. So, the only early access games I've participated in directly in one early access experience and indirectly in another one that is going to make you guys laugh. So, <laughs> directly, I participated in all of the beta flights for Halo Infinite. That's my oh, experience that's with, that's early cool. with early access. Um, my hands-on experience with early access. I think, overall, even for all the games that go out EA, that take a bunch of money, and yes, Sammy, mm -hmm. crowdsource their crowdsource their 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 QA and their product testing. Free product testing. It's it's better than free profit product testing. It's profitable product testing. Yeah, <laughs> I think you are correct that there's a huge issue in the studios looking at the looking at uh, early access titles in that way. I don't think that's how early access should be treated. Yes. And I'm coming from this with the rose tinted glasses of, well, the early access game that I played listened to my feedback and uh, well, the game kind of fell on its face, but they at least listened to most of it. And I will also point out that Baldur's Gate 3 spent three years in early access taking very detailed and pointed feedback from their player community and it is only because of that that we have the game that we love today i i did i put a pin in it i put i said that we there are examples of good testing and it's baldur's right. gate so with, with baldur's gate yeah you had to apply to be a tester which is it that's that's more reasonable than being open to the public anybody can purchase well, this thing. Well, Baldur's Gate and early access was separate from was separate from QA testing cuz they have well, a yeah. QA, they had a QA process that that the the builds went through before hitting EA. Yeah. They um, well the, they had qualifications that you needed to be over 18 and then they the, here's the exact criteria from their website. It said, all pot potential playtesters need is a love for RPGs, fluent reading and writing comprehension in English, commitment to at least one full day of playtesting to be done in person at one of our offices, the ability to generate clear and concise feedback, and then commitment to a non-disclosure agreement. That's different. That's okay. a good example of having playtesting. Oh, I'm talking that's, about that's playable. I was talking about playable beta. I'm talking about the three years where that, Shane okay. spent three years playing Act One. That the three only years reason saving I the like... Grove. There are people who spent three years saving the Grove a thousand times before that game came out. I guess I give them props, but for me personally, I could never. I would be bored of Baldur's Gate before it came out. You know, like and that's why I didn't touch it until it came out because I was worried that would happen to me. That's like one of the other the, game that I yes. that I so secondhand participated in beta test of uh, EverQuest. EverQuest. Actually, no, sorry, EverQuest Two. Never, never EverQuest heard of that. Two. Oh, oh, honey, I think it's older than you are. I yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know the first EverQuest is probably older than you are. 
Uh, yeah, so is. I spent a lot of time with my buddy's it's house older while his older you. brother while his older brother was beta testing EverQuest two, and we would help him. We would help him put his you know put feedback together. Like, oh, that mechanic doesn't really seem to make a lot of sense if you're you know like a new player to the game. Or he'd be like, hey, you know, what do you guys think of this? Do you think this combo is broken and I should report it, or do you think this is working? I was like, and you know, as intended. So that was a very very different and unique experience because we're talking about. You know, back in my day when the AAA studios were putting out good quality f***ing content. 2004 <laughs> was when EverQuest 2 came out. That was the release date. Yep. So, so, this, so this is beta you test. You were a baby. <laughs> this is beta test, though. So that would have been probably Before 2003. It, yeah, yeah, yeah more 2003, likely 2003. Most likely. The uh, other one, the first EverQuest, was 1999. So, yeah. Yeah. Phoenix, you what's were... the what's the first video game you remember playing? Uh, that would probably be on B Tech, which is one of those like kid I educational know, yeah. learning Are console those things, like, like a leap leapfrog. They're like leapfrogs, but with the better CPUs. Yeah, <laughs> and it was, this, it was yeah. like this puzzle game, and I just remember being absolutely like traumatized by these clown things that would pop out at you. <laughs> I love that. What was what the first like console you had? Game, like yeah. a game game that you started playing, yeah. The first like actual game game, Mario yeah. Kart. <laughs> which, On which right, but there's yeah. there the are Wii. Mario Karts Wii. that are older than you. The Wii. <laughs> the Wii. Wow. Oh god. Yeah, you're old. Yeah. I feel old, Gandalf. You're old, Yusuke. <laughs> I didn't even know there were older Mario Karts until I was in like middle school. It's okay. <laughs> That's okay. That hurts a little, but it's okay. Yeah. Wow. I, there was one time where, where me and Phoenix were in call, and I just started questioning them of different, like, do you know what this thing is? Or what the, do you know what, like, this show is? And stuff like that. And don't do that with anybody younger than you. It hurts. I've been playing Counter-Strike your whole life. <laughs> I know Johnny Quest. Well, that's good. I think I was <laughs> in high school... I grew up on that. <laughs> okay. And Animaniacs. Oh, the Animaniacs, Animaniacs was, are terrific. They that was just throughout always. They they yeah. they're out again now. They started it all over again. There's oh, and that's one. really and good with, too. Um, what's his name? Rod Ron, the voice actor. He's all over TikTok. Uh, it's it's still him with it. He's great. Mm -hmm. uh, I was googling something and I just. I got frozen. I, I was going to World. Google when did they stop putting video games in cereal boxes, but the autocorrects just put me at a full stop of when did they stop putting cocaine and coke, <laughs> lead in paint, uh, copper in pennies, and CD <laughs> players in cars. I, just, I still have a CD player in my car. I, had I think a, I have one. I had a tape. I have a CD player in my car. I had a tape deck in my first car, and I had what was I would still consider. The most okay. So, second icebreaker question: What's the piece of what's one piece of technology that you experienced that like truly blew your mind? And I'll tell you, I'll start with mine. I had a cassette to cassette tape to to eight millimeter aux adapter for my car. I I remember one end is a cassette tape, and the other yeah. end plugged into my goddamn Your iPod. Which is uh, something also older than you. We'll get into those if you need an explanation of what it was. But it was like a <laughs> phone that didn't do phone stuff. All right, so for the Zoomers in chat, 
We used to carry our phone with us, and then a second device that was phone-shaped that only held music. And then some people, you know, you also had to carry a camera on you, mm -hmm. and then you had to... That was also phone-shaped. <laughs> that was also phone-shaped. Everything just, was like um... the size of like a big blocky phone. And you had to just have... That's why you ever look at like those like big jeans like wow like everybody dressed like absolute Jingle morons jeans. with the big pockets. Jingle, it's so sorry. we could fit our we you could fit your sidekick and you could fit your Game Boy Advance SP and so you could fit your little pocket point and shoot camera <laughs> and so you could fit your iPod. Uh, just God, so you I know, Jinko jeans are back. Actually, they've made a huge I comeback the past year. Everyone started wearing Jinkos again. I don't even know what those are. That's fair. That's you, okay. You, it's fine, actually. It's, Don't I worry had about it. They wouldn't. I, I, I would have liked those to stay where bucket hats deserve. Some to things stay. should just stay dead and buried. You know, I thought most things would, but then you yeah. know, we got like the mullet back. Yeah. All right. So, Phoenix, yeah. what technology did you experience for the first time that just like absolutely like I, th this might as well be magic, as far as I'm concerned? When I was a kid, Elmo's in school like the little like light things that you would put like the sheet of plastic on and then draw on like as a kid i had no idea how that thing was getting onto the projector i just saw the, oh, like, the, yeah. the, oh, the yeah. overhead projector i love yeah. that that's yeah, amazing that's, fair. that's a good one uh, it looks like magic to a kid they're just writing yeah. on this piece of paper on a desk and uh -huh. suddenly it's on the screen i love that we're on the wall i guess whiteboard whatever i think mine might have been when I first saw, I'm not going to dox them, but I remember their first and last name. The first person in my school who got a, uh, the first person in my school who got a razor. Um, the flip for some clarity, yeah, for some context. Oh, I thought you were talking about the scooter. Yeah, so for, well, that's better than I thought what most people would think. For some context, the <laughs> razor was a flip phone that was very expensive. And it super was the, thin. only the rich kids got it, yeah. And it was super, super thin. And it was like, you know how like what what's the status symbol now having an iPhone with a shattered screen? It was iPhone, having a razor yeah. that would almost lay actually flat on the table if it even worked at all. It it was insane. And I remember the first time I saw one, because then they came out with the chocolate razors as well. Mm -hmm. And I remember just thinking, that is the coolest thing. Because I my I didn't get my first phone until I was 15. Mm -hmm. And it was a mm -hmm. giant blocky Motorola flip. Um, yeah. Where you can unscrew the antenna, you know, and oh, everything. Yeah. You drop it, that it'd fall apart into multiple pieces. There goes your battery across the hall. Mm -hmm. Like, Remember when phones just, had serviceable oh, batteries, though? I wish, I wish. that was still something you yeah. could do. I remember, I had, remember the, I think it was LG made a phone that swiveled around itself, like, a, and the, the commercials were it looking like a record player arm, and it was really skinny. Oh, yeah, the really tiny, I remember that. So I that. had one of those, and then after that, I will never forget this, because it blew my mind, I had the LG and the Motorola NV2, ENV2, the NV2. And that phone was regular phone sized on the outside, and you could open it up and flip it open, and there was a whole QWERTY keyboard. Oh, look at that! Yeah, I do know those. I do know those. On the inside, and bro, that blew my little thirteen-year-old mind. 
I had a phone similar to this one, and it was my to this day. Even with I have a S twenty three Ultra, mm -hmm. it, this was my favorite phone. I had the LG Slide, which oh, is exactly yeah. like that, but you could slide the top screen up, so the top was like touch screen, mm -hmm. which was the coolest thing in the world oh, to me. Yeah. You could touch the screen. I wish to this day, though, I still had like a keyboard that I could feel. So do you know why? Like, do you know why the keyboards physically started going away and why the screen started getting bigger? I can no. tell you why. It's gonna it's gonna crack you up. Oh boy! The shrinking of the keyboard and the growth of the screen coincided exactly with the phones being able to access the internet and play back video content. As soon as we realized I can watch on my phone. We realized that the keyboard, the physical keyboard, was a secondary need, and we, we needed to, ag to address all available real estate directly to screen as quickly as possible. I have, I have a topic that we could touch on real quick that I've sure. thought about for a long time on related to phones and cell phones. Oh, I um, was hoping it. I'm glad it wasn't related no, to. No, it doesn't go to the other thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, why is it? Because when I, when we were, when, when we were younger, Back specifically in my me day. and Jason, there were a lot of different phone places. Like there was goofy phones you could get, silly shaped phones, you know, <laughs> ones that were shaped like frogs and, and stupid shit like that for cell phones as well mm -hmm. as, as like the goofy landline ones. Mm -hmm. Why is it that we just, where, where did that go? Uh, cases. Where, what cases. happened to well cases. yeah the cases and stuff for sure because <laughs> what, cheap, happens, it's what it's happened cheaper. to the small brands there's only like the four brands of phones now what happened to all the little guys monopolies they couldn't, no they couldn't keep up with smartphones so when it came to producing when it comes to producing a smartphone here's what a lot of people don't realize i i've got a pixel 6 pro you've got an s23 ultra phoenix what kind of phone do you have iphone iphone yeah. which one <laughs> uh Thir is it bigger than 13? I don't know. 12? That's if it's bigger, if I'm it's, taking my if case it's off, more new, up. right? If it's newer than an iPhone 12, it's red. It's uh, that's awesome. <laughs> but if if you got it within the last like six years, oh yeah, even, I did. Right. All three of us are carrying around a phone that is likely more powerful, a more powerful computer than most people's laptop at home. Because nobody yeah. has a, nobody has like a family computer anymore. I'm not gonna like you know even pretend, but like most people have, if they have a computer at home at all, they have some crappy Chromebook, or some like two three hundred dollar laptop they got at Best Buy. Mm -hmm. And at this point, the actual compute technology in here far outpaces the laptops and and phones that most uh, and computers that most people have at home. Because the phone manufacturers realized that the age of the personal computer is evolving to the personal computer in our pocket, not the personal computer in our home office. And when it I came totally to agree. producing those phones, you need to be a bigger company to have the resources to develop. And um, in some cases, Apple uses their own custom silicon. Samsung mm -hmm. has an agreement with TSMC, which I believe they have an ownership interest in. Google is now pivoting to manufacturing or licensing their own silicon. So each one of these, so like when you build a computer, you've got your choice of CPU, you can get an Intel or an AMD CPU, right? Yeah. With phones, you have your choices. You have a wider choice of CPU brands of silicon that are that are that are powering that SOC. 
And those developing those cost as much money and resources as developing desktop CPUs. So eventually it's that fair. crowd is going to thin that out. Makes sense, yeah. I just still feel like there's a missed market for the novelty of it. When it comes to like how people are with aesthetic and stupid goofy things nowadays, like just look at the, the like bad example button example things like the purses and stuff people carry around mm -hmm. that actually hold nothing but it's shaped like a tiny little mushroom so they walk around <laughs> carrying it because they fucking love it because it's adorable i feel like you could do the same thing for cute little novelty phone things i was trying to find they did a that with phone cute cases. little goofy there's so few like good ones for new phones that you you get like the boring this is it <laughs> like hey, you get um, the sturdy i'll plug someone who i wish would sponsor us dbrand.com yeah, yeah dbrand is great ones. custom cases are where it's at at this point i've got their, like the we got their x-ray skins so this is an actual there it's a whole x-ray of whatever oh. and it's an it's it's that's appropriate cool. to the model of phone you order it for. So this is an x-ray of a Pixel 6 Pro, which that I can verify because really I've actually taken one of these apart. When my old one died, I took it apart. <laughs> there was a stupid uh, photo that was going around the internet for a while of like a woman uh, and instead of holding up a phone, it was a large um, pill bug, basically. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I want... I want that, or like a frog that looks like it's hugging my face. Why can't I? Sorry, I'm still on the frog rant. I well, I think it's also talk. because of those were really cumbersome to carry around with us beforehand, and they're going to be even more cumbersome to carry around afterwards. Well, I mean, it's going to eventually get to the point where our phones are going to be cumbersome to carry around because they keep getting bigger and yeah, bigger. Yeah, I mean, bigger, I think we're actually settling on a, we're settling on a space where there i feel like there's a maximum size because i've always been uh i get the xl sized phone and uh, my partner tori's always been uh re get the regular sized phone and i think that's because well, i have like big, pocket size really long pockets. thumbs and i have pockets because i'm a man and uh mm. you know patriarchy or whatever um <laughs> bro i had a i had a friend in high school these, who shoved the an entire ipad into their pocket mm. well with jinkos you can <laughs> We don't need to keep bringing up Jinkos. Take those off the bingo card immediately. <laughs> but I've noticed that actually the Pixel 6 XL is smaller than the than what I had. I had the 3 XL before that, and it actually, the XL phone shrank. The S23 Ultra is massive. Yes. It's, does it, does it come with a stylus? Before this. Yes, and I do have a stylus, but in general, they this use that as an excuse to make it bigger because they're like, well, we give you a stylus, so don't worry about it. But the thing is massive. <laughs> Why it's do you got, need what, that five many cameras lenses? on it? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, five cameras. <laughs> it's a nice phone, though. Mm -hmm. I only got it for the sole reason that it has a stylus, and now I can make funny faces on Snapchat when I take photos of Alex. And I can turn him into a princess now. The last Samsung mm -hmm. phone I had was a Note 9, and I missed the stylus. The stylus is the thing about it that I missed. I did not Styluses miss Samsung's 30 gigabytes of bloatware. Yeah, this that is, uninstallable this is bloatware. This is an iPhone 13, and my last one was an iPhone 8. Right. And so I skipped a couple generations there, it and works I hate exactly this thing. like the other one did. Yeah, it's just bigger, and it has more things, and it keeps changing my settings every time it updates. I hate it. I want to go back. 
I will tell you, there's so many people switching to iPhone from iPhone to Pixel that when you buy a Google Pixel, it comes with a guide that says, I'm new and I've had an iPhone for years and I need a guide. And it tells you where stuff that you're expecting to look for is going to be and what it's called in the Android environment. And I don't know of any other phone manufacturer that does an onboarding experience for um, Apple refugees. That's really funny, Direct competition. Actually. Direct mm -hmm. competition. <laughs> I will tell you that Google's trying to mimic that if you stay in our sandbox, everything works together seamlessly while also making their stuff available outside of their sandbox. I think you do get the best of both worlds. Uh, the one thing that I'll say on the show over and over and over again is that I wish the I, the Apple Watch would function outside of the Apple ecosystem. It is You the, did say that, I think, the first yeah. episode. Yeah. It's the pinnacle of wearable technology. And they want you to buy an iPhone. It, right. In the words of Tim Cook, just buy your mom an iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> She won't have them green bubbles no more. Anyway. With that. Terrific. Sammy, why, I don't, think... yeah, why don't you introduce the second half of the show this week? Oh, all right. Uh, so the second, uh, well, second half, the last half, I'll call it. It's the, um, the hyperfixations. Uh, so basically, it's where all of us cap out the episode, saying something that we have just gotten really into lately uh it's you know we are aware that everybody's very interested and knowledgeable or well-read and at least one thing and this part is for us to just really deep dive into the one thing that we can't get enough of right now <laughs> so if you'll notice above my head we have the rabbit hole timer because we learned our lesson after the first episode <laughs> everybody we go a little gets too hard. three minutes on the board if your topic is engaging and interesting enough that we absolutely cannot cannot continue after it's over, you get a bonus three minutes. As decided in the last episode. As decided episode. in the last episode. <laughs> uh, new new rule for a rabbit hole hour should be a bingo spot. Oh, that's, <laughs> yeah. I every agree, time that's we come up with a new spot. rule on the fly, list. yeah, everything's made up and the points don't matter. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, so to start off the hyperfixation segment, Sammy, do you are you ready to go with yours? I sure can. Um, mine is about a legal case that I feel is not getting enough attention. It's slowly starting to, but this whole thing is insane. Did you start my timer? Okay, I'm going to assume you did. So uh, what happened was is there was a man who... Uh, was accused of a very serious crime um, that I won't uh, actually say. You can look into it yourself. But his name was uh, Nicholas Alvarian. But my favorite part about this is this man has gone by so many names. First of all, Nicholas Rossi, Nicholas Alvarian, Nicholas Alvarian Rossi, Nicholas Edward Rossi. Like there's there's a Wikipedia page and it's got like 15 fucking names on it for this guy. What he did is he faked his death and then he ran away to Scotland. And then uh, years later, he ended up getting COVID and had to go to the hospital for it. And that's when, you know, the people in Scotland at the hospital are like, now, wait a minute. This man looks familiar. He has the exact same tattoos as Nicholas Alverdian. He had the same fingerprints, everything else. So they'd go to report him. Oh, my God. This someone man, stole my fingerprints. He yes. <laughs> yes. That's part of it. This man uh, claims to be Arthur Knight now, um, who is a uh, Irish orphan. And he says that while he was in uh, the hospital for COVID, that he was unconscious 
and somebody broke into the hospital and tattooed those tattoos on him and then falsified his fingerprints so that he is Nicholas Rossi. He puts on the most fake and horrible accent this whole time. And if you watch each uh, interview, he's wearing different, like, masks now to help him breathe in because he says he cannot breathe right anymore and he can't walk anymore. He's in a wheelchair. And uh, half the time, the masks are not hooked up properly. They don't work. And it, again, accent's terrible. He's hired a woman to be his wife. And one of the things, um, the, one of the interviews, and the interview lady goes like, what do you say to the people who think you're Nicholas Rossi? And he goes, oh, 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 and he puts up this huge show. And his wife, like, leans over and goes, oh, well, you've gone and bothered him now. And it's so, it's so good. He did get extradited, though. Good news. He's coming back to America. And uh, he will be serving for the crimes that he paid which we love but uh there's a lot more details to this case that are a lot goofier i highly recommend you look into it yourself um uh charlie uh penguin z did a video on it that is a banger and there's also um pearl mania on tiktok hi just check it out hi big fan that's that's my deep dive well, that, that was incredible. Wild. Got, we have thirty <laughs> seconds for follow up in a in a first time ever on this show. I tried wrapping it. I I typed out a thing of like just cover these things, otherwise you'll go too far. The guy just it, one of his lawyers. Wow. His his lawyer's name was Mungo Bovi. I feel like that needs to be said. Mungo. <laughs> Mungo. Wait, the guy's Bovi. actual name is Mungo. Mungo Bovi. That's the jokes write themselves. Oh yeah, he and and, and Nicholas is quite I the swear. quite the hat section. He wears a lot of fun hats. We love that for him. Um, again, he claims to be wheelchair bound, and in one of the videos of him in jail, he tries hitting the handicap button, mm -hmm. and then it doesn't open for him, and so he gets out of his wheelchair and kicks oh, the door. No. <laughs> he also oh, was no. known for bullying the staff and abusing the workers. So he'll do great in American jail. That's terrific. <laughs> Phoenix, on. let me set up your three minutes on the timer. All right. This is just going to be a ramble. I have nothing, like, sorted out in my notes. <laughs> and that's, that's okay. That's fair. Just tell us what you're interested in. That's, Go that's for how it. this segment kind of started. So <laughs> you're good. All right. I will start the timer whenever you start going. All right. Well, so one of the things that I've, well, I've been into for, like, three years, but also just recently i've gotten back into it again is a lobotomy corporation which is a steam game and it's made by a korean company it has a lot of lore behind it it's really like story rich it has a second like game that comes after it called library of ruina and that has a lot more story it's like an rpg-ish game but the uh, original one is like a it's like a uh management simulator but you're managing like scp like creatures and harvesting them for energy to power the world because the world's in absolute shambles right now. And honestly, it's it's just I love the game so much. It is insanely, insanely difficult to the point is where it like similar to like the Fallout Shelter style games, kind of, but not really because you're not like managing people. You're more managing the uh, abnormalities themselves. Okay. Like yeah, you kind of like make people go and do things, but. Just in general, you're trying to harvest these things for uh, energy. So you have to like match up the work that needs to be done with them. You have to match up this, that. You can turn some of that energy into uh, weapons and suits that are kind of based on that abnormality to make your people stronger. But uh, one of the core mechanics of the game is resetting. 
there is a day reset and then there is a like there's like a every five days you get like a it's kind of like a save point so you can revert back to that like first day of those five days but everything before okay. that stays so if you get like say your first abnormality is fine but the second one it's this creature that just wipes out all your people immediately you can revert back to that uh first save there and then try again for a second abnormality is it the game itself that you love or just like scp things in all general? of it yeah all of it i love cryptids <laughs> yeah, I, I will admit I do. I love SCPs. They're what, they're just a fun concept. What's your favorite real world cryptid? Ooh. Oh, that's a good one. Ooh, that's hard. We'll make it this really an icebreaker. Hard. We're gonna make this an icebreaker for a future episode. So Sammy, hold on to yours. But yeah. Phoenix, oh. Phoenix, with your last forty-five seconds, tell me about your favorite cryptid. This is cruel. That is that is just really really hard. Okay, tell hard. me about a weird cryptid. Tell me about one I've probably never heard of. Ooh. One that you've never heard of. One that I've likely never heard of. I don't know about that. I'm kind of I'm kind of basic. <laughs> but uh I don't know. I really like the like uh like the Wendigos and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like I know okay. that's more like folklorish, but like I just they're fascinating cryptid. to me. Like I would these like accept yeah. scripted. I would totally they're, like these totally deer like agree. things that aren't deer, but they're not like human or anything, and they just like I just think they're just fascinating do you know uh, how wendigos become no no wendigos are uh, a spirit net somebody's gonna come at me in the comments for this it is um when podcast uh, at george.tech <laughs> corrections and hate mail to podcast <laughs> at george.tech go with what i like i'm going for no, it go with your heart it's, it's like garlic eats another man basically when cannibalism has has happened and they like eat the flesh of another human being they transform they turn and then they like get into this shit's Native American folklore, um, huh? And it, it's they they have the ability to mimic voices, and they will lure to the woods that way. They're super fast. Uh, mm -hmm. They can mimic shapes as well. I'm pretty sure there's different types of like Wendigo lore depending where you are. Like if you're like Appalachia versus like desert areas, but right, yeah, super cool stuff. I I know a lot about the cryptids. That's terrific. what's That's uh, what's your fascinating. What's your deep dive this time, Jort? This is something very, very uh, out of left field again. I'm going to talk about I'm very about excited. It. I read a little bit of what you said, and I'm immediately thrilled. Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> so I'm going to talk about what may or may not be our new Y2K. We're going to talk about an anomaly called the Carrington event. It's the result of a solar flare, which for the uninitiated, a solar flare is when uh, electromagnetic forces and speed and wind speed on the surface of the sun get so out of balance and out of whack that it actually yeets a bunch of solar plasma into the into the orbit or into orbit around the sun, which eventually interacts and intersects with planetary movement. Solar flares are what caused the northern lights, isn't it? Correct. One ah. of this one of the outputs of coronal mass eject of, <laughs> of solar flares are coronal mass ejections, which is the yeeting of the plasma into the into space, which uh, gets basically dispersed and kind of diffused by our atmosphere, resulting in the or uh, the aurora, the northern lights. Well, on September first of eighteen fifty nine, a 
British astronomer called Richard Christopher Carrington and his partner Richard Hodgson witnessed firsthand by sheer stroke of luck one of the largest solar flares in recorded history. While they wrote down and noted their findings regarding the flare, the flare itself caused unbelievable mayhem around the Northern Hemisphere. There were reports of people as far south as Mississippi seeing the Aurora Borealis so bright that, in according to newspaper reports, some people woke up and began their daily prayers before realizing that it was still night. Holy shit. 17 huh. hours after the flare, the the particulate from the CME, the mass, the coronal mass ejection, hit Earth because they take longer than the visible light that we see mm. when when it when a, a flare occurs, and that's the scary stuff. Seventeen hours after the flare, the Earth's magnetic field was bombarded with so much energy that our entire electrical grid was effectively self-sustaining. Uh, there were record, there were reports of telegraph operators being shocked by their equipment, and my absolute favorite is an exchange between two telegraph operators during the event in between Portland and Boston. Boston to Portland, please cut off your battery power entirely for 15 minutes. Portland responds, we'll do so. It is now disconnected. Boston, mine is disconnected, and we are working on the Aurora current. How do you receive my writing? Portland, better than with our batteries on. Current comes oh and God. goes gradually. Boston, my current is very strong at times and can work better without the batteries as the Aurora seems to neutralize and augment our batteries alternately, making current too strong at times for our relay magnets. Suppose we work without batteries while we are affected by this trouble. Portland, very well. Shall I go ahead with business? Boston, yes, go ahead. So, huh. there's more. You are allowed. I, okay. I, I would like more. Great. Let me start up a new timer. <laughs> Overflow timer. We we have yeah. We, we it's allowed. <laughs> so it's an it's an ejection of so much electromagnetic energy from the sun that it it completely disrupted our magnetosphere in such a way that was recorded in newspapers across the globe. That is and insane. we are expecting another one this year. Oh. Of similar size. And here's the problem. Our power Everything's grid. Electric? It's not necessarily that this is this could fry the internet because it could fry the internet. Um, there, there's a there's an issue that astronauts and NASA uh, deal with a lot in space. It's called bit flipping. Um, there's a reason that every computer there there are usually three x redundant systems to do any calculations that are necessary to to be done in space because the background radiation from uh, coronal ejections because these these occur regularly just not at this size and this scale on a smaller scale when you're in the vacuum of space that electromagnetic force can actually interact with computer hardware like with flash memory and it's called bit flipping where um, uh, a bit that was a magnetized as a zero gets remagnetized as a one and back and forth and it can corrupt all your data 
So mm. one concern that a lot of people have of the upcoming Carrington event is that it could wipe off flash memory and magnetic uh, hard disk memory that are affected basically that are at surface level on the that planet. Scary. Here's what's scarier. What's most likely to go down is our power grid. Transformers are going to overload because they're being force fed um, in the words of my very darling Astarian, directly force-fed into the power grid. We could replace um, a couple of Transformers, I'm sure. Can we replace 90% of them if they all blow at once? And how long is that going to take? And how are we going to survive that process? There has to be some preparation that's being made. What can we do except build a Faraday cage around our houses? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. At least in preparation and building, you know, get, getting Transformers and shit, like... I don't know. That's wild. Mm -hmm. That's scary. So mm, nobody good. knows what's going to happen. It's it's not like it's, like, scheduled, like, this is the day that it's going to happen, because the, the, the sun operates on a cycle, and the mm -hmm. solar cycle is a... Uh, the, the way the solar cycle works and the way we've, you know, based on our understanding of you know, measuring uh, magnetic currents and the uh, magnetic currents of the sun with our much, you know, much more higher technology. Now, we're expecting one this year, and nobody knows when. Yeah, that's a little, that's a little scary. Good to know. Great. Yep. Oh, I know, good I, I, hey, I'm, I'm going to start making a habit of ending the show on a light note. <laughs> yeah, great. <laughs> Last week was Stuxnet. This week, the Carrington event. Next week, the collapse of civilization. Oh god! All right, there's a theme I'm seeing. Well, like one of my big concerns, if all the power goes down, is just food, because a so lot of food is refrigerated, and I don't have access to a lot of fresh food anywhere near me that isn't refrigerated. And That's most importantly, point, yeah. make sure you download a copy of this episode so you can listen to it over and over again after society <laughs> Very collapses. Good idea. Yes. While you're out there scavenging for uh, used gas in cars and whatever <laughs> canned goods may have survived at the grocery store fighting past hordes of once civilized people now dressed up in loincloths and war paint you can at least listen to us explain to you how and why we got here you're welcome at least until your phone dies yeah <laughs> and thank you so much for your time this week everyone we hope to see you soon. We hope you hear us soon. As a quick reminder, this show is currently brought to you by us. We have, for the moment, neither sponsors nor agenda. All we have is an esoteric knowledge of many things and a drive to share that all with you. We hope you have a wonderful week, that you enjoyed the show, and most importantly, that you learned something neat. Until next time, I'm Jort. You can check out more at jorts.tech. Feel free to write the show with questions of your own or comments or corrections at using podcast at jorts.tech. Sammy? I'm Sammy. Uh, you can find my link tree in the description uh, for any of my links for my social medias and my Etsy shop where I make and sell D&D dice and other nerdy jewelries. Excellent. I'm Phoenix. Uh, I don't really have anything to plug, but uh, I might be back. That is a threat. <laughs> we super appreciate you. Shane, we hope you're having a great time on that boat, and we do hope that you make it back to shore safely. Thanks again. <laughs> And until next time, we will see you somewhere. <laughs>